You're listening to Red Leg Nation Radio, the official podcast of RedLegNation.com. Hello there, Reds fans. You're listening to the Red Leg Nation radio podcast. I'm not really sure why you're listening to it, but you've downloaded it. You're listening to us. Here we are. Let's get going. I'm Chad Dawson, your host uh, for the podcast. I appreciate you joining us again this week. Got some interesting things to talk about this week on the podcast. Bill Lack from RedLegNation.com, sort of our interview guru, he has been in Sarasota, still is, as a matter of fact, at the time of this podcast. Uh, and, you know, weather's not been bad here lately but sarasota i'd love to be in sarasota right now and um bill's down there enjoying a vacation and of course he had time to check out what's going on with the reds high a affiliate there in sarasota sarasota reds a lot of interesting talent a lot of good high ceiling talent on that club and and bill's gonna have a full report when he gets back i'm sure in the meantime he sat down and spoke with uh, sarasota's manager joe aralt for a Really good uh, discussion about all things uh, related to his job and and what he sees from some of the young guys on the club. And then after that, he had a talk with uh, Matt Klinker, who, of course, is a pitcher for Sarasota and is one of our spotlight players. Got a little update on how Matt's season is progressing as he keeps on the road to the major leagues. But, you know, Matt just got off the DL down there in Sarasota, and his last start, not great. I'm blaming that on Bill Lack because Bill was actually in attendance at that game um, because his two starts – Previous to that, after coming off the disabled list, were just outstanding. I mean, really, simply spectacular. So we think that the good things in store for Matt, and we'll get an update for him in just a moment. So hang tight for that. First, what's going on with our red legs right now? It's been a, you know, the month of June just finished, and it's been a, well, I wouldn't say it was a successful month in, in a lot of ways. Frankly, uh, it was a miserable month in some ways. And we're not going to get into uh, some of the shenanigans that uh, Dusty Baker has pulled with the lineup. You know, I think Dusty Baker it does a lot of things right as a manager. And a lot of the things he does right are things that we can't see. Um, but some of the high-profile things that he does wrong, let's just be uh, blunt about it. Uh, for example, the craziness with his lineup. I'm not going to get into it too much here today, but that type of stuff just uh, burns a lot of us up, I know. Um, but let's not forget, he does, he's doing some things right. And... Uh, Let's try to remember that when we're being critical of him. I, although some of you I know from comments at RedLegNation.com don't think he's doing anything right. I don't, I don't agree with that. But um, but let's talk about where his team is as we sit here at the beginning of July. You know, At the beginning of June, the Reds were three games over 500, three and a half games out of first place. At that time, they were actually five and a half games out of last, but closer to, to first than last. And, you know, three and a half games out at the beginning of June is... That's not bad. It's something that really all of us would take just about any year, especially with the way that seasons have gone for the last 10 years or so. Um, and then, you know, going into the last night of June, the Reds were 11 and 14 on the for the month. You know, that was after winning two straight games against Cleveland over the weekend there. And so, you know, at that point, you're talking about the Reds being at 500 after starting this, the month three over. And so you think, gosh, play under 500 ball, competitive uh, division, probably in, in bad shape. Well, there were three and a half games out to start the month. They were three games out of first to end the month. Uh, bizarre. They gained. They went. They were three games under 500 and gained a half game in the standings. And that, my friends, is why they call the National League Central the National League Comedy Central. Uh, that's just crazy. And 
you know, uh, the Reds, frankly, are not playing well right now. Uh, the offense, TOS, uh, this offense stinks. Uh, they're just, it's, it's ugly, uh, and it's hard to watch some nights. But, you know, all it's going to take is, is one winning streak here for the Reds literally to be sitting on top of the division. Uh, get hot at the right time here. So while I don't think you can say the season's been successful to this point, uh, one, you know, one game under 500 is where they sit right now. Um, I don't think you can call it a successful season at this point, but, uh, you know, the season's not over. Um, with the pitching they've got, if they could just get hot offensively and, and you know, get Edwin Encarnacion back and swing in a hot bat, they could go on a winning streak and really make some noise in this division. The only reason they're this close now is that, well, frankly, the rest of the division stinks as well. Uh, no one's running away with it because no one is... Uh, any good. I mean, I, the Cubs, you look at the Cubs and you think they've got the talent. They should be a little better. Uh, the Cardinals continue to play pretty good. But yeah, I look at their lineup, and I, other than pool holes, I'm not impressed with the Cardinals lineup. Uh, the Brewers, you know, um, they've got some hitters that I'd love to have. Ryan Braun, number one among those. Um, but they don't look like a really high-caliber club, uh, a playoff-caliber club necessarily to me either. So the Reds have flaws. They've got lots of flaws. But... Uh, they don't have. Uh, they have an opportunity. Maybe make one move. If they could get a a hitter in here somehow. Uh, you know, or just get you know Votto's back now. Get in Canasio back and, and healthy and, and playing well. Hey, maybe that'd be enough in this division. So while I am not pleased with the, the play of the Reds over the last month or so, I'm happy that they're still hanging in there, hanging tough, and uh, you know could be in for an interesting finish to the season. That's what we're all hoping for, you know, win or lose, and it's been mostly lose for the last decade pretty much. Uh, that's what we're all hoping for, just this team to be competitive for once into uh, September, and who knows what happens at that point, especially with the pitching that the Reds have, and that's another one. If we get Edinson Volquez healthy as well. All right, uh, enough of me rambling on. We're going to go ahead and jump over to Bill Lack with Sarasota manager Joey Rawl. Welcome to Red Leg Nation Radio, and we're very excited today to be spending some time talking to Joe Aroll, the manager of the Cincinnati Reds of the Florida State League. Joe, thanks very much for giving us some of your time today. Hey, no problem. Glad to be talking with you. Um, you're, you're really a Sarasota guy. Yep. You're born and raised in Sarasota, graduated from Sarasota High School, right? Well, I was born in Michigan, but I've uh, been in here in Sarasota most of my life. They were the Sailors? The Sarasota the Sailors? The Sarasota Sailors. <laughs> we were the uh, team of the decade in the 90s. We won the USA Today National Championship, 89. So, you know, played a lot of our home ball games right here at Ed Smith Stadium where, we're, where I'm managing now. That's great. Uh, you married guy, kids? Yeah, I've married two kids, wife Kelly, daughter Haley is four, and my son Cole is now about 17 months. It's got to be tough with the, with the travel and the... Thing, is, is it tough on the on the family, on the kids? Oh, this I couldn't have a more perfect job to be in professional baseball here in my hometown. Uh, I live ten minutes from ten fifteen minutes from the ballpark. I mean, I go on a few. We have our road trips here in the league, but it's only a couple hours away. So, to be in professional baseball, you you can't get much better than this. You were drafted in the fifth round in the in ninety by the by the Braves. Yeah. With the pitching staff they had in the Braves, I know you weren't in the big leagues for a long time, but it must have been pretty amazing to, to be able to work with some of the guys you must have worked oh, with. Oh, yeah. The, I mean, the guys that I went up through the minors with, guys. So, uh, and at that point, Stockton was still with the Rangers? Yep. Because I know the Reds had a high A team out there for it was the year. Right, it was the year after was the it? Reds were in there, I went in there. Okay. And I would have gone back for my second year there, but 
And I was on my hunting trip that off season. My wife called me, told her, told me she was pregnant with Haley, and you know, that's when I made my decision to you know, Stay closer to home. resign from the from the uh, Rangers. I just happened to get the job right here in my hometown with the Reds, and ended up being a perfect situation for me. So, did you go to the Reds, or did the Reds come to you? Know you were available, and, and or did you come to them after everything was done with the Rangers? When everything was, yeah. you know, resigned and stuff, I made a couple calls to the Reds just to see what they had available, and it ended up being a perfect situation. You like got I said, with the Reds and had your first child at the same time. Yeah, that's that's large. I was in the Gulf Coast League. Leon Roberts, who managed me back in the day, was our hitting coordinator, so everything I did was through him, and I got to be there when my wife had the had our daughter, and it was perfect. It doesn't do any better than that, nope. does it? Um, you coached on this team in '05 and '06 before you. Oh six. Oh six. Oh five. I was still in the Gulf Coast League. Oh okay. You were in the GCL. Yep. And you you were the hitting coach in, on the Gulf Coast League. Were you the hitting coach year on this team? In '06. Yeah. Oh seven. Oh eight. And this year is my third year managing here. How did, how did the uh, the managing job come about? I mean, was it just you know an opening and then they offered you the position or? I, initially, I was supposed to go out to Billings, Montana and uh, managed there for my first year in, in uh, 07. But some changes came about, and they offered me the job, and shoot, I jumped at it. Yeah, we had some late changes in the organization mm -hmm. last year, didn't we? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Answer a phone call like you did just now? Answer, answer the phone calls <laughs> like I did just now. But I uh, have my lineups all done, so when the players get here, I like being having it posted when the first guy walks in there, knowing what they're going to do that day as far as the fundamental batting practice infield, the lineup for today, and to the times for tomorrow that they need to be at the ballpark. Uh, check emails. You know, We have all kinds of player movement. The injuries I like to check up on, making sure guys are all right. And then as the players start rolling in, we have our early work type stuff, ground balls on the half field, hitting stuff in the cage. Our pitchers come out usually an hour before the position players for stretch. We do our side sessions, some PFP practice, uh, pitchers fielding practice. Okay. And then we do some bunting with our pitchers, some hitting on the field occasionally. And then our position players come out, same deal, stretch, throw, maybe a fundamental infield practice, batting practice, come back in, a little shower, get you know get in the cool ac cool off in this heat and then get back out there for the game make sure the guys are out there usually i tell them 6 35 25 minutes before you know sign some autographs for the fans that are out there and then get ready for the ball game what about after the game post game come in hopefully i'm enjoying the win you know come they, in they sit have a cold one. yeah uh, more more so i gotta lock in i got a lot of work left yeah, to do so that's i a, that, yeah, that's what i, want to I sit back down i have to type in a report, you know, going over all the fundamentals that happened that night, hitting, fielding, uh, pitching, everything that went on in the ball game. Is that an individual thing per player, or is it, you know, the guys that, that, that had noteworthy things, good or bad, that night? Mine are more as the team, like team fundamentals. I, mean, I have to write in the individual things would be the hitting situations, writing them in across the top. But our pitching coach writes an individual report on each one of our pitchers that threw that night, and our hitting coach, George Orta, puts in an individual report on each hitter. So mine's based on the team, you know, box score, the errors, defensive fundamentals, relays, uh, any rundowns that happen in the game. I do a little report on our catchers that night. And uh, basically just every night, and then after I'm done writing it in, I have to call one into the organization as well. You do with a verbal all, and a verbal, yeah. How much influence or, or does the Reds team office have? give you or how much 
what's the word I'm looking for? How much input do they give you into into playing time and you know who they want to you know to get more at bats or? or well, I mean, there's certain guys you know coming in. Certain guys have to play. Right. But for the most part, I mean, it's go get them. Do what you can do. Develop these guys. Find a way to, you know, get a W every night. Is it fair to say that, that where someone is drafted or how much they were paid, which goes to the draft, they're going to have more chances to fail as a minor league player? I don't know. I mean, I, I mean that's a tough question to answer. You would, you know, you would think you give a guy a lot of money, a million dollars. Of course, you're not going to, you know, cut him loose. Right. Whereas a guy you sign as a free agent guy would be a lot easier to let go. So, I mean, that's. It would be kind of an obvious. I mean, that's an obvious business situation there when sure. you got a lot Absolutely. invested in the guy. Absolutely. So. Um, you talked about promotions and, and, and that kind of thing earlier. How much notice do you have when you're going to get a guy or when a guy is going to be moving on? Uh, it depends. I mean, certain guys that are doing well that are very hot, you know, just they're going to move. But a lot of times, I mean, it could be an injury at a certain level. Hey, we need a guy who's who's the best up. fit. But I mean, if it's a, if it's a long-term injury, it might be one player. If it's going to be just a short-term deal, maybe it's a pitcher that's got a nagging injury in Double A. Hey, we're going to send a guy up for yeah. one start. Yeah, you've got to do that twice, yeah. yeah. I mean, so that's do you want to send a guy that's going to be a long-term guy here and send them and bump them back? So I mean, certain guys you think can handle it. Certain guys you just say, ah, oh, let's let's send somebody else. But you know, so. The player movement it varies depending on the injuries and, and what guys are doing. Other than your your daily reports that you and your coaching staff send in, do you guys are they are you talked to about promotions? Oh yeah, we have a monthly conference call every month going over our players. Uh, we have written monthly reports, and uh, at the midway point, we also actually write up opposing teams, uh, prospect guys. So there's a there's a lot of a lot of talking and communication going on amongst each of the teams in the front office. What's your primary job? Is it winning baseball games or developing players? Both. I mean, me, me I, I don't like to lose in cards when I play against my wife. So I'm, I love, I love to win. And but for me, you develop through winning. I mean, you, you get your guys and you know do what you can with them. I mean, you go through spells where you get a few guys that are knocked out, hurt. A few guys went up. I mean, hey, this is what you got. Go get them. So. But there is a, I mean, there's a time that has to be a conflict. You know, you got a guy that, that for, for reasons that we've already talked about, has to play, and he's struggling. I have never run into that problem. You know, you just find a way, grind it out. I mean, those guys usually separate themselves amongst the other ones, the guys that are high picks. You can mm-hmm. definitely tell. Yeah, they have the tools. They're ready to go. They, you can definitely see the ceiling. Those are the guys you want in the lineup anyway. I've even, never, even if they're struggling. Oh, I've never run into a problem. You know, in all my years of coaching, we're like, oh, we have to play this guy. I've never heard it once. That's great. I'm yeah. glad to hear that. Yeah. Um, because though you've got this dual purpose, is, is wanting to win and needing to win and developing players. It seems like in one sense your job's tougher than a manager to major leagues. No. Because all he's got to do is win. I doubt that. I mean, you get a young guy like Jay Bruce. You're, they're, yeah, they're still, still there's still a lot of teaching to do at the big league level. I mean, for me, it's baseball. No matter where you are as a coach, I guarantee you. Dusty Baker wants his guys to get better every day, so he's developing at the same time he wants to win. Okay. So that's the way I look at it. I, I, when I come through that door every day, I think about these guys getting better and us winning that ball game that night. So you've coached it or, or managed it at, at four different levels. Managed just here, been but, a hitting coach. And, and man, how is it different at the different levels? Uh, I mean, the game definitely speeds up each level. 
the command of the pitchers. You see better pitching each level as you go up. Uh, making the routine plays, you know, uh, just the the crispness as a, of a ball game, just a lot sharper how fast it goes as you keep going up. I mean, there's a big difference. You go from the Gulf Coast League over here to the Florida State League. Does the umpire get better as they move up for the most part? A couple yeah, of years ago, I, I, was, I was talking to some, some, some Gulf Coast League pitchers, and they were really complaining about the umpire in that league. But I don't know. Players. <laughs> I mean, a player's always going to complain about an umpire. Yeah. You know, I would say, yeah. I mean, they get the more experience they get, the more time they get out there, they're sure. going to get better. Because they're, they're moving up too, right? Yeah. All the, I mean, it's funny. All the best ones, we were talking about this the other day, all the best umpires, it's tough to remember their name because you, usually the best ones you don't realize they're right. out there. The ones you always remember, the ones you, that are they're bad, you always have conflicts with, your arguments, but the, the good ones... You know, they they blend in. The game goes smoother. You don't you don't have the confrontations. You don't notice. The only time you see them is at the plate meeting when you go out there and talk to them. With with the way your schedule runs, and you guys spend a fair amount of time on the road, how do you fit in the teaching that you need to do? I mean, do you just have to make time for it. There's plenty of time. I mean, there's and when you know your players are tired, then then it might be time to sit down and talk to them, have have a conversation, just talk to them about the game. But there's plenty of time. Like I told you, I'm in here early, especially on home games, going on the half field, hitting ground balls, the one-on-one time that George spends with the guys in the cage, the one-on-one time that Brownie spends with the guys in the in the bullpen during their side sessions. And I have plenty of time mixed in between, you know, just to pull a guy in the office, talk to him, take him out on the field, do some outfield work or base running, catching the defensive work with, with Mezzarocco, Boer, Long back there. So... There's plenty of time, unless it's 7 o'clock. I mean, that's when the players, I think, get the most out of it. Game experience is where the guys get, you know, get their their best. That's when it's fun. I mean, that's when, that's when you go out and you learn from your mistakes. And I'm one of those, I, I, I like new mistakes as long as they don't happen again because I tell the guys, learn from it. Don't let it happen again. And hopefully the other guys saw what happened and they learned from it too. You know, I, I think I've, I don't know how many times I've said it this year, that's what the minor leagues are for. You know, hopefully you get all this stuff out of your system now so when you get to the big leagues, this kind of stuff doesn't happen. Remember it, retain it, don't let it happen again. Is the biggest requirement for a minor league coach or a manager to be able to teach? Teach and motivate. I mean, you gotta you got to get these guys going every day, get your point across. So, I mean, it's, it's a definite combination. I mean, you have a little, you got to be organized. I mean, little things like bus trips, dealing with double headers, dealing with... Um, there's there's all different things that go into it with uh, with managing that are not just the teaching part, but dealing with the off the field things, little babysitting here and there. That's where I was going to go. Yeah. I was going to ask you how you know how, how difficult is it at times? It's not bad at all. 18 to 23, 24, 25. Not bad at all. You treat them like men. You know, you, you you talk to them, you let them know, and one of those things I tell these guys when we go to a team hotel. I want to be known as the best team that came through that hotel or the best team that was in that clubhouse. And I get complimented all the time on how good our players are and the players that have come through here the last few years, how good they are. Do you have to deal with homesick kids very often? Uh, not too much. Happen. I mean, you, it does you, happen, but it's I, I remember rare. dealing with it in the Gulf Coast League a few times with guys, you know, being away from home the first time. But usually at this level, I mean, you're halfway up the ladder. You start smelling the big leagues a little talking bit. About, talking about the Gulf Coast League and dealing with it then. Golf Coast League has a lot of players, Latin players, sure. play there. Is it a, is it a bigger issue with those kids because they're so far from home and it's such a different environment than what they grew up with? They're not. I've seen it more in the American guys. I really? think, myself. I mean, it, I mean, of course, the communication. These guys were talking more about it. 
you know, I, I learned to speak some Spanish being a player, playing in the Gulf Coast League, being around the Gulf Coast League with the Rangers and here at the same time. But, you know, and maybe there were certain things they wouldn't want to tell tell you, you know, yeah. or the language barrier so kept in front. <laughs> yeah. Well, back then I was a hitting coach. I mean, having a good relationship with those guys. But for the most part, I mean, I, I'd say maybe a handful of guys They're homesick. Yeah, the rest of them, you know, they're locked in. They're Cincinnati Reds. They're ready to go. They're professional ball players now. What's the hardest thing about coaching or managing in the minor leagues? I don't know. It's a good question. I can't really think of anything, the hardest thing, just because I love it so much. I mean, being in baseball, wearing a uniform every day, being around these players, I mean, it doesn't get much better for me. How, how tough is it to tell a kid that you're going to have to let him go? Depends on the guy. I mean, there's that certain player that has the heart that really that is a die-hard worker, and the guy that would do anything for the ball club, anything to win. Those are the tough ones, you know, because they want it more than anything. But they, they just, just don't have the they might not have had the talent that they were just they hit their ceiling, you know. And it's just and then you have the guy that you know thinks he shouldn't be here. I'm too good for a ball, or and just they almost. Push themselves out of the out of base. They almost do in a way. I'm, do you have any funny stories or any really sad stories that, that, that you know? And don't use I would never ask you to use names, but where you had to tell a player that you were letting him go. I mean, are any of them relieved? I mean, is there any a guy that's been relieved? No, it's just one of those things. You know, you gotta you know thank them for their hard work. You know, everything they've done for the organization. You know, it's not something that one guy says they want to release them. It's more you know as a whole, as an organization. You know, hey, we. You know, and, you know, we don't feel like we can. You're going to pan out with the Reds, so in a way, you know, hey, doing that guy a favor. Hey, you move on with not only with your life, but hopefully, maybe you can get an opportunity with another team. And I tell these guys, hey, hopefully, hopefully, we're making a mistake on this one. You go to the big leagues with somebody else. You know, there's nothing better seeing a guy. I try to get him jobs. Butch Henry, who was with the organization for a while, is a, he's coaching an independent team in El Paso. So I always try to give Butch a call. Hey. You know, we got a guy we're about to release, or we released. You know, do you have room for him? So hopefully, we can get these guys a job because I, you know, I have a pretty good relationship with these guys, and I want the best for them. You know. Do do guys in your position and guys coaching managing major league is is your aspiration to move up and manage in the big leagues? Sure, it'd be everybody's dream to you know be in the big leagues. So. You, how much attention do you pay to the rest of the Red System? I mean, do you know who's playing well in Dayton? Oh, yeah. And, I'm Dayton, Carolina, I'm in Louisville. I mean, I usually go through at the end of the game when I'm done typing my report, check through the system, how the guys are doing. I'm Over our All-Star break, I was I was at home. My wife was in Chicago with our kids, so I'm by myself with the bachelor pad. And here I am listening to the Carolina Mudcats last two games of the first half to see if they could go to the playoffs, win that first half championship. So... I definitely pay attention to it, and the big league club. I mean, you got players that you've coached and managed, and seeing that, and you know, it's, it's yeah, like a big family. As a, as a, we're a partial season, we're partial season ticket holders of the Dragons, so it's it's exciting when you see the guys that you started, you saw play. Yeah. You know, in Dayton, now they're starting to fill oh, yeah. up the big leagues. Um, in the past, a lot of fans, bloggers, guys like myself. And, I, and this wasn't necessarily a complaint that I had, but there was there was talk that the Reds moved players up very slowly in, pa- in the past. And when seemed, was that? 
three years, two years ago, three years ago. Uh, they've been moving pretty fast. I mean, last year and this year, I thought it did change a lot. And the and the year before. You thought you really? Yeah, the year I had. Jay, was that the year Jay was here? Jay was here. Yeah, Danny Dorn. There was quite a few guys that shot through. Cause, cause Mike we, Griffin. We were here the day that, day that Jay got the. We were at the game the day Jay oh, yeah. he was getting promoted. Yeah. So you don't really, in your experience, that's never really been the case as far as you were concerned that they move guys. No, it definitely isn't the case now. When we feel when a guy's ready, I mean, you can usually tell how they're playing. I mean, how the as a pitcher, how the how are the hitters reacting to him when he's when he's pitching? And when they start overmatching and dominating, you know it's time for him to move. Same with the hitter. Being a Sarasota guy, how do you how did it affect you when the Reds made the decision? Well, when the decision was made for them to move. Next year to Arizona. Oh, it's disappointing for a guy like me, you know, being living 15 minutes from here. But I, I, same thing happened with me with the Rangers. I was down in Port Charlotte with those guys. We moved to Arizona, and when you compare the facilities, when I was in Port Charlotte to Arizona, it was like going to Disney World. Really? Yeah. So I mean, and, and financially, I don't think the Reds had an option. Yeah. They had to do what they had. When to do. you're going to get a facility like they're going to get out there in Arizona, I mean. But it is sad that after after what fifty some years to leave to leave Florida altogether and yeah and to leave Sarasota, which I'm a big fan of. Yeah. Is there any word on, on, on what's going to happen with this team? No, it's everything's still up in the air. There's different different uh, buyers that are out there looking at this complex. They've talked about the Orioles coming in here for spring training, us staying here for the Florida State League. So I'm a, to I'm one of those I'm one of those guys that live in the moment and. You know, I'll cross that bridge when I get there when figure out what's going to happen. Do minor league managers and coaches work on one-year contracts with organizations? Some, some are one, some are two. I mean, but they're pretty they're short-term contracts. Usually, yeah. it almost feels like you're. I mean, I always compare it to being a, a player. You know, you come in, yeah, you know, you come in and give it your best every day, and you know that's all you can do. Not you can't worry about it whether you'll where you'll be the next it year. To, it has to be tough though as a family guy. You know, with, with kids, and you know, the, like I work for a university, and for the most part, I know that my job is going to be there every day. Yeah, I, I do say it to my wife. My wife's a teacher, and she's she's been in there about fifteen, or actually twelve years, so she doesn't have to worry about that much. I mean, unless it was something drastic right. that you, you know nothing's going to happen there. I said, hey, I got that every year around the end of the year. You'll start thinking about it, but you know, like I said, you just go out there and do what you got to do. And then everything should take care of itself. All right. Well, I want to thank you again for the time you spent with us today, and we want to wish you luck for the rest of the season in your baseball career. And we're hoping that, at least I'm hoping, that the Sarasota Reds are still the Sarasota Reds next year. Me too. Because we enjoy coming down here every summer and coming to the ball games. And I hope we can keep in touch and maybe talk later in the season. Sounds good. I enjoyed it. Great. Thanks, Joe. Thanks, Bill. We are pleased today to be spending time here in Sarasota with one of our spotlight players, Matt Clinker. Matt, as always, thank you for your time. How are you doing today? Doing great. Matt, the last time we talked was before the season started. Fill us in on, on your season from your perspective thus far. Uh, spring training went great. Um, uh, spent most of it with the double-A group before um, getting the final uh, roster shakedown to Sarasota. Uh, but you know when they when they sent me down, they also said that you get to dress with the the big league team the next day. So that was a little icing on the cake. Um, so that was a great experience. Um, 
started the season in Sarasota. It went pretty well. Um, my arm didn't feel like awesome, um, but it didn't feel any pain. And about you know a month ago, I think it was the 11th of uh, of May. It kind of just tightened up. I tried to throw through it on the side, but uh, some pain crept in there, and that's when it shut me down for about three to four weeks. Was it was it the arm or was it your shoulder? Shoulder. It was a shoulder. Yeah. Um, started off just some stiffness. Um, it actually crept in in between the fifth and sixth inning when I was up in Carolina. Um, I didn't think anything of it. Came back down and didn't really do any in between work between. Uh, my start in Carolina, my bullpen, and then my next start in Fort Myers, and then Fort Myers, it just it lit up, and, and I had to get pulled after the second inning, and, and you know we knew something was up. You said you know the arm didn't feel as well as you'd like it to at the beginning of the season. Is this something you think was caused by something you did working out over the season, or something during spring training, or do you know? Uh, I really think, um, and I've been talking to a couple. Um, previous former uh, minor league ball players. I really didn't take a break this offseason. I mean, I, I, I did with my personal training, but I was always playing catch with uh, my private lessons. And I really think that kind of came back to bite me in the butt. I didn't really have a, a long or, you know, I, I would say next year, looking back on this year, I would definitely give myself, you know, a full month, 30 days to just don't even pick up a baseball. Um, I don't know how I'll do that, you know, logistically with my lessons, but um, I'm got to find a way, you know. Um, my my career is more important than than lessons I give. So, so it had been bothering you a little bit from the beginning of the season. It's not bothering me, but like it didn't feel. You know, I was pitching 89 to 91. I really didn't feel like I could reach back and throw the 93, 94 when you had to have when I needed it. Um, and, you know, my first two outings back um, where I did really well, I really felt like I had that pitch when I needed it. Um, now this last outing, not so much. Yeah, but, we'll uh, talk about that <laughs> in a few minutes. Uh, when they put you on the DL, was it just rest? Was there some therapy involved? Was there? Uh, yeah, therapy every day. Um, what did that entail? Uh, the first, when I first went on the DL, they thought it was just seven days. You know, you'll miss one start. Um, so I stayed with the team trainer and did rehab with the team, dressed out for the games. And, you know, it was just really light rehab, like don't pick up a ball today, extra arm exercises, and then um, some ice and muscle stimulation, uh, some massage therapy. And, uh, you know, after a week of that, we tried to throw again and, you know, just light toss made it flame up again. So we were like, all right, well, on to step two. So step two, we tried to do a, um, a course of um, Celebrex, anti-inflammatory drug. Did that for a week, tried to throw again, nothing. Still a little painful. So um, then I switched over. Um, I went off of our roster onto our, our rehab side with our, our physical therapist. Got a cortisone shot. And really when I got the cortisone shot, I could feel everything, just all the pressure in the shoulder just come off. And I was like, all right, well... Because a lot, I've heard horror stories of doctors going in and, and missing the spot, mm-hmm. and I could tell he hit the spot. He hit the right spot. Yeah. That's great. So, and then after the cortisone shot, three days later, started picking up the ball, and from there, no pain since. So, hopefully, it'll stay that way.
You th- so you think that was co- this was caused by just a conglom- an accumulation of, of arm fatigue? Was this a tendonitis issue? Do they think? Uh, they, uh, I think Did they ever really tell you? I think the f- the official prognosis was um, super spl- splenate inflammation in my super splenatus, which I guess is one of the. Does everybody have a super splenatus, or do the most rest of the people just have a regular splenatus? No, there's a super splenatus and an infra splenatus, and then two other muscles that make up the the rotator cuff. Um, so I had inflammation of the supersplenatus, and I, when I tried to throw through it, that created some some sort of impingement or something. Basically, just major inflammation of the uh, of the shoulder. So it wasn't throwing a. It wasn't anything to do with your motion. It wasn't uh, anything to do with a, a, a certain pitch. Well, they they think. I was working on my slider, and really, I mean, slider should affect the elbow more than the shoulder. But they think. Uh, I was kind of dropping my arm a little bit on my slider, so they think maybe the different arm angle could have set it off as well. But um, so we scrapped the slider for the for the time being and um, saved the, the curveball changeup and fastball. You don't you don't throw a split, do you? Because you know, there's been a lot of publicity lately because of Homer picking, Homer up, the picking split. up the split. Yeah. yeah. But it took the Reds a long time to come around to, to Homer. It, 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 I mean, have you been warned off the split? Uh, not really warned off of it, but haven't really been turned on to it either. Yeah. So, um, you know, if you look at guys like Tom Browning and Mario Soto, you know, who are, you know, big-time pitching instructors in our organization, uh, both their, you know, go-to pitches where they're change-ups. So that's, in our organization, that's what's taught. Um, and, I, you know, that's, I think, the best, you know, to get a ground ball or to get out, you know, that's the best pitching go-to, so... Talking about going back to the off season again, when you're working as much as you were working, is it easy to pick up bad habits? Uh, yeah, I think. Uh, I mean, if you stick to the schedule, do all the work you should. You know, you shouldn't. It's you're not going to be overworked, and you won't get any bad habits. Um, but without having a pitching instructor or pitching right there. coach there, yeah, I think you can definitely get into some bad habits. Um, and another biggie is just pitching on an indoor mound. You know, your stride's going to be different because you're pitching on AstroTurf and not a, a clay mound. Um, I mean, there's so many intangibles that it's hard to say. Kind of like a golf swing. You can pick yeah. up clank, clanks in your swing anywhere. Yeah, because off AstroTurf, I can hit a great golf ball. <laughs> Put me on the fairway, no chance. Oh, and we have to talk about you getting your first at-bats when you did your uh, double-A start. Would, is it easy? Would you say right now that the high point of your season was the was the double A start, or is it the the two starts that you put the really good two starts you put together coming back off the? Uh, uh, I say they're equal. I mean, they're both highlights. Uh, you know, you got to ride them when you when they're going well. You got to ride it. Um, so I mean, it was great. Two two back to back starts. Um, Eleven and two thirds. Back to back wins. I mean, that's great. It's uh, hard to get. So um, and that was definitely the highlight of the season so far. But you went up to Carolina. And threw six innings, gave up only three hits, two home, two runs on a on a fairly cheap home run that you told me was went about three hundred and nine feet and six inches over a three hundred and nine foot fence. Yeah, little catfish <laughs> corner got me. <laughs> but we were listening to the game on the internet that night when you got came up to bat, and the the announcer for the, for Carol, I think it was the announcer for Carolina. I can't remember who other was who was you know we were broadcasting, and you you struck out, but he said nice swing. About two seconds late. It's a nice swing. <laughs> oh, you know. How long have you been 
is since you since you bat since you'd gone up uh, with a stick in your hand? Since I saw an official pitch, it's been since high school. Uh, I mean, they because we're a National League organization, we practice bunting a lot, swinging every now and then. Uh, but yeah, I mean, the guy it was, I think it's a three-two pitch got through a, a you know sinker. And uh, now I know why the sinker is such a good pitch. Um, it just crept right under my hands. I was like, wow, that's a good one. Got me on that one, Got huh? Got me on that one. And you mentioned since you came off the DL, you threw two really, really good ball games. Um, We've talked about them on the on the blog. You've gotten some, you got some love. You got some, got your pictures up. You know that, that were taken by a local guy down here in Sarasota. Um, and you said when you came off the DL, could you tell that you were throwing better? I mean, you said the pressure felt off your shoulder, but you yeah. Heard. Uh, I mean, definitely my curveball and changeup worked as as good, but um, I, I really my slot, my release point was, I mean, was there every time. Um, and I was really able to tw- tinker with my uh, my two seam. It's not really a sinker; it kind of just rides in. Uh, but I was able to to mess with the grip because in the past my my slots kind of changed, and I feel like that affected where it was going more than my movement. So once I established my slot, I was able to tinker with it a little bit and get better results. Is that the key for you, being able to hit that same arm slot every every, every time, pitch? Yeah. And, I mean, and you, when you are, you, you would think 24 years old, third year professional, it's easy, and it should be, I guess. But uh, it's I guess when when there's even a hint of pain, you know, you got it. You're always compensating. Yeah, always going to compensate and vary things. But last night things didn't go so well. No, I mean, I think my to start, just my routine. I didn't get out. Um, yeah, I've been doing my my stretching and my my lower body warm-up inside and I like to get outside about a half an hour do maybe two or three sprints and then start throwing I'm just outside a little late um, and that just threw me off my game and I don't know left the ball up and it was just a bad night and everybody yeah, has it. But here, here's where I wanted to go with this when you're pitching well it's easy to go out there for that next time out you can't wait you know, oh, yeah. the game feels easy I'm sure you know, and I'm sure when you went into the game last night, when the game started last night, after coming off two great outings, you'd be like, "Hey, you know, this is going to be these guys. Are, I'm going to own these guys." Oh yeah. When you have a bad outing, and last night was as bad as you've had, for you're sure. looking at your numbers. Yeah. How does your mindset work when you come back out Thursday? Um, Do you just have to wipe the slate clean, or or is there a little thing in the back of your mind going, "Okay, what kind of night is it going to be?" I mean, how does that work for you? Uh, well, I would say the biggest thing is like. I completely understand what Harang's, you know, frustration last year where he said he couldn't pinpoint what he needed to improve on. You know, from last night's start, I know things I need to improve on. You know, I didn't work inside on guys. I didn't brush anybody back. I was throwing fastballs, you know, belt high. The, out, the 0-2 outside. pitch was... Oh, 0-2 hanging curveball. That's never a good pitch. Um... But, you know, there's definitely things that I didn't execute well, and I know that. So going into Thursday, I, I mean, I'm more eager getting on the mound again after a bad start than I am a good start because um, you're always as good as your last start. You're always as yeah. bad as your last start, yeah. too. So I want to wipe, you know. Plus, if you're going well, you know, you've already got the good karma going, you know. But yeah. if you you know if if you if you if coming off a bad start, you got to get it going. You're again. looking to get it, you know, yeah. Exactly. And there's nowhere to go but up, right? You know, if you're pitching well, there ain't nobody where to go but down. Okay, but but there's never any trepidation. There's never no. any. 
that's never an issue. I mean, and I, and I would think if you're a professional athlete, you can't have those doubts. No, I mean, just like today, I had a couple, you know, comebackers last night. Um, one got me in the arm. Three and two innings. Three and two innings. So you know, today's my day to sit in the dugout and. Uh, some some of the guys were sitting next to me. I was like, "Yes, better watch out. That ball's attracted to me." But uh, I mean, it's just one of the things you got to laugh at, and move on. I call it the 24-hour rule. You know, next day you wake up, go to the ballpark, got to get back to work. Um, can't even if it's a good game or a bad game. You know, you can't just you can't say, oh, "I'm not gonna not gonna throw today. Not gonna do my running." I, I, I you know, 10 Ks. I'm bigger than that. You know, I mean, <laughs> Got to go out there every day, get your work done. Well, I want to talk to you about one more thing before we, I want to kind of move off baseball. But this is your second half of your first full season in, in, in the Florida State League. You played yeah. most of the second half last year. You were here the first half this year. And the scheduling in the Florida State League changed over the it's winter. Terrible. <laughs> That's where I was headed. It went from. It used to be for those that aren't familiar with the Florida State League. It used to be an East-West League. And you guys would go to the West Coast one time a year, or the other coast one time a year, yeah. right? Or was it one time a half of a season? Uh, once each half. Okay. Yeah. Now it's a north-south schedule, and you're doing. It seems like you're doing a lot more traveling to the other coast. And how does that affect the players? Uh, I don't know if it affects us too much, besides just more movie time on the bus. Uh, we thought it was going to be longer trips, like St. Lucie. We got there. In about uh, three hours, ten minutes, three hours, fifteen, which I was thinking is going to be more like four, four and a half. So I mean, if you compare a, so like compared to Lakeland, which is an hour and a half, hour and forty-five minutes, you know, extra hour and a half, that's no big deal, considering trips in you know Billings or Dayton were you know twelve hours. Yeah, three-hour trips up there's a short trip. Yeah, exactly. So it's it's not that big of a deal. It's just. You know, it's sometimes a pain. Uh, the commute trips when you're in Tampa and and Clearwater, those are great. Uh, Fort Myers, I mean, when you when you get to sleep in your own bed, I mean, that's perfect. Um, but uh, you know, the league had to do what they had to do uh, with the restructuring of the teams, the Dodgers leaving. So, um, you know, they they did the best they they could with it. Okay, let's move out of baseball. What what does a young single baseball player? Doing Sarasota when when he's not playing baseball. Uh, go to the beach. Um, a lot of guys were joking when I was on the DL. The DL didn't stand for the disabled list. It stands for the drinking list or the driving list on the golf course. Um, but uh, no. And one of my trainers is like, "Yeah, that's salt water in the ocean. That's good for your arm. It helps you recoup." <laughs> um, I mean, there's a lot. The, the beach, Siesta Key, uh, Saint Armand Circle, uh, probably. Too many, too many clubs to mention that the guys go to. Um, and I th- we went to the Hard Rock Casino in Tampa, which was a good time. And uh, there's definitely plenty to do down here to to keep you out or get you in trouble. Either way, you want to look at it. How many guys just on on your team are married? Uh, Travis Webb. Uh, I think I think that from our team right now, that that's it. There's one other guy who's in Double A now, but. Uh, not not, not many. Huh? Not many. No. How many? How many are in serious relationships? Do you think? I would say probably thirty, forty percent. Is it? Yeah. Locals or back home or, or does it uh, does it vary? Yeah, back home. All most. Of them. Yeah. 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 If you if you don't have a a girlfriend going into professional baseball, it's hard to it's hard to establish one and, and keep yeah. it. Yeah. 
What What are your interests outside of baseball? Are you Are you a fan of other sports and so like what teams that kind of thing? Yeah, I was actually uh, before we started this was watching the USA soccer team play Brazil in the in the final of the FIFA Cup in in South uh, South Africa. Clint Dempsey, um, our our star forward. Uh, for the U.S. actually went to Furman. Uh, also, midfielder Ricardo Clark went to Furman. Um, uh, I was lucky enough to have a Spanish class with Clint, and uh, we, we stay up with each other on, on Facebook. So, um, you know, just watching guys that you played with or you, you know, that's always fun to do. Um, uh, baseball and soccer, what other? I, I'm, I'm a fan of all sports. You a music guy? Love music. What kind of what 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 are your musical interests? Um, everything. Uh, I mean, Sunday nights in, in Sarasota, there's this uh, kind of reggae band that plays at Marina Jacks. Um, so sometimes you know you got a you got a little girl you're trying to impress and you take her out to Marina Jacks, a little dinner, a little reggae dancing. Um, but I, I like soft rock, uh, Coldplay, Dave Matthews. Like some classic rock, uh, southern rock. I got turned on to that when I was at Furman. Um, uh, very eclectic mix. Um, any 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 thoughts on the on the Reds currently? I know I know you're. I mean you're very in, informed on, on the, the the big club. I mean because you're a Cincinnati guy. You're oh, yeah. you're a big fan. So what what are your thoughts on the Reds current? Uh, love love. The direction the organization's going in, um, I think, compared to a year ago, definitely made some moves in the right direction. Uh, you know, love seeing Johnny Gomes in, with the big club now uh, hit another home run today. Um, so I, I think with, with the pitching, you know, as long if we can stay within five games, I mean, we can we can surprise somebody by the end of the season. Um, you know, there's definitely guys in the minor leagues who are uh, throwing the ball well. That's normally the stats I check out to, to you know, to see um, what guys are throwing well, just to see where I your competition, I, yeah, so to exactly. Speak. Um, but you know, you spend time with those guys in spring training, so those are your friends too. But uh, you definitely want to always take a look over your shoulder. Is that hard that you're competing with guys that are friends? No, I mean, I think. My rookie ball year, I definitely had, like, I, it's going to sound really bad, but, like, I'd be like, man, I hope this guy gets lit up tonight. But, I mean, if you think that, the fun gets taken out of baseball so bad. Like, I love the day after I pitch when I'm sitting in the dugout and I get to cheer the next guy on. Like, Horse threw a great game today, and, you know, he struggled a little bit early, and as soon as he came off the first inning, I was like, hey, don't worry about that. We're going to put up some runs. Just settle in. Throw your game put this inning behind you. You know, we ended up scoring three in the bottom of the first. I was like, hey, we got a one to nothing lead. That's how you need to approach it. And he went out there and, and dealt the rest of the game. So, um, you know, you, you got to – you can't ever cheer against somebody. you got to always cheer for them. And you're only, you can only do what you can do. Exactly. And, it and what they do really doesn't have any effect yeah, on that. No, not at all. You're getting evaluated on your own merit. Uh, you know, scouts are there every game, so – you always have an opportunity to. Uh, you always want to capitalize on your opportunities. You don't want, you know, you don't want to make it to the bigs because somebody else failed. You want to make it there because you succeeded. There you go.
Do you have a guy in the organization that you're closer to than, than anybody else? Uh, I mean, it, it kind of depends. Like, every year um, you, you kind of bond with somebody else on your team. I know last year Waring and I were pretty close. Uh, we lived together in Dayton. Um, this year it's kind of been uh, Travis Webb and myself. We live in the same um, condominium complex, and uh, he's a very conservative, settled-down you know, guy. He doesn't go out all the time, so... We share a lot of the same interests, a lot of the same hobbies. Um, and then, you know, during spring training, Alexander Smith from the Netherlands, just because, uh, you know, he's a European guy, you know, somebody that I was intrigued by, I wanted to get to know. Um, and, you know, I figured we, we might break the team together both in double A or both at high A. So um, there's always somebody you click with, and the best thing to do is just to, you know, you're not going to be friends with everybody, but, uh, you know, spend quality time with people that you get along with and, uh, you know, enjoy it. Do you have, do you have friends, ball players, guys you played with in other organizations? Yeah, lots of I mean, the baseball community is so small. Uh, you're always going to find somebody or, uh, I mean, even like you'll you'll have a, a tough at-bat against somebody and then you'll see them the next year and you'll be like, hey, what's going on, you know. Uh, you know, just a lot of camaraderie around the game, so it's great. Back to the Reds, real quick. I want to ask you sure. one question before we before we sign off here. Do they need to add a bat? Uh, and would you give up starting pitching to get a bat? Well, as a pitcher, I would love for us to give up a starting. <laughs> as a fan, I, I I love our pitching the way it is right now. Um, so yeah, I'm definitely tossed up um, in my personal uh, affiliation to the team. Um, I I really love our pitching situation right now. I mean, if you check out minor league rosters, I think there's definitely guys down there. I'm not going to say they could do an equal job, but they're going to be able to carry their load as well. Um, so I, I, it's not for me to say. Uh, do they need a bat? Uh, I don't know. I don't think so. Not outside the system. You, you um, think when when Double E comes back and and yeah, I think when when Edwin comes back. Um, I think, and the and the Knicks Gomes platoon in left field right now is looking awfully it's good. Looking great. And Chris Dickerson's playing much better. Um, so you know, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. Um, I think Vada's going to get hot again, really hot. Uh, I think him and Bruce, uh, they're both get hot together. Um, I would say, if not now, I would say late July. I'm talking like four fifty, five hundred hot. Yeah. <laughs> Well, that's all I've got. Anything else you want to add before we close up shop here? Uh, no. Just thanks for having me on again, and uh, hopefully I'll have another July like last season. That's what we want to see. So. Anyway, Matt, as always, thanks for your time, and it's always a pleasure talking to you. Thank, Thank you. you. All right, that'll do it for this week's edition of the Red Lake Nation Radio Podcast. As always, thanks for joining us. Uh, send any comments, concerns, suggestions to radio at redlegnation.com. If you've not already done it, go subscribe to our podcast via iTunes and uh, check out the RN Radio tab up there at the top of redlegnation.com for all updates, information, all previous episodes. Thanks again to all of you out there in the nation, all you loyal citizens of Red Leg Nation. This is Chad Dotson saying so long. Mm-hmm.